Hi everybody, I'm Peter Travers and welcome to Popcorn where we tell you what is popping in the culture. And there is a Netflix series and it's called The Crown and it is going to be on I think for six years, but this is just the first of 10 episodes that are on there now. And you will see the royal family like you've never seen them before. I mean, this is something you can get lost in, which is my favorite kind of thing to watch. And my guest today, John Lithgow, the wonderful John Lithgow, is playing Winston Churchill in this. And I, for one, can't be happier as a critic who've watched Brits come in and play so many American parts. Now we have Rochester, New York's own John Lithgow as Winston great Church. Great to be here, Peter. <laughs> You're welcome. So that's so great. What did you say to them when they called? They said what? I said yes. You said yes. I heard my agent use the name Peter Morgan, the writer, yeah. Stephen Daldry, Pretty the good producer, director, Winston Churchill himself, and Netflix, and eight months in London. And I said yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then you went, what? What? No, it was, a, it was the most intense combination ever of excitement and fear. Because I would never have cast myself as Churchill. I'm about a foot taller than he was. Yeah. I'm an American, and I knew it would be top-level, top-crust English actors. But then it occurred to me, Thomas Jefferson... Benjamin Franklin, Abraham Lincoln, Richard Nixon, LBJ, Martin Luther King, in recent major American TV and movie productions, they all were all played by English actors. <laughs> so here I am, England, so it's <laughs> playing the ultimate it's Englishman. It's time for <laughs> yes, Turnabout is. is fair play. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait till you get reactions from them, you know. No, no, they, they, I have to say, mm -hmm. these English actors, and they were breathtaking actors, they were also wonderful people, so welcoming. They gave me more confidence than I had in myself. And uh, you will meet them soon, because they are... They're major over there, but they're now going to be internationally major. Yeah, Claire, I think Claire this Foy, is the kind of thing. Matt Smith, yeah. Vanessa Kirby. We all know Jared Harris, who plays a beautiful George the Sixth. Tell us what that makeup job was to get you to do that man. Wow. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm afraid an awful lot of it is just me. <laughs> I play the oh, part. Come on. I you... play the part between 73 and 80. Mm -hmm. So I play him as an old old man. Uh, I had some wonderful confederates. Michelle Clapton, the costumer, mm -hmm. who's won about 20 Emmy Awards for Game of Thrones. Just a genius costume. So you don't say to her, really, shouldn't I be wearing this? Well, we, it was very collaborative. <laughs> we worked was. extremely closely together, but I had a fat suit, and she made sure my waist was very high uh, so that I didn't look quite so tall. Uh, Ivana Primorek, a genius makeup artist. The makeup actually was very simple. It only took about 20 minutes. It was this remarkable wig that made me look even balder than I was, <laughs> with even with, with this long, lank white hair of Churchill's. Uh, and these remarkable plumpers were They clicked into my back teeth and swelled my jowls <laughs> That and very tight collars to make me look fat. It all worked. And then I stuffed cotton up my nose so that I had his strange, measles voice. 
It just happened stage by stage. Of course, I'm still nothing like Winston Churchill, but it sort of doesn't matter. Oh, come on. I felt I was talking to him just a minute ago when you were doing that. <laughs> well, because none of us really, I think, got a chance to hang with Winston Churchill. No, I missed out yeah, on so that. We, but I, we didn't but I did spend the entire spring of last year researching and just immersing myself. You were a history guy anyway, right? It's, it's wonderful to read about him, but even more thrilling just to listen to his voice and to see video of him. I found remarkable things. After work, looking really hard, I even found the private Churchill. What we all know very well is the public. Uh, the sort of stentorian orator, that Churchill. But of course, what we're doing in The Crown is showing the behind-the-scenes lives of all these people whom we only know in two dimensions. That was the great challenge. And it's also what's so compelling about the series. It just takes you into their lives. It's speculative history, but it's deeply researched history. So it just gives you the feeling of of real life. I've never heard uh, the word Nazi said quite the way he <laughs> yes, said. That's right. What is it like? Nazis. Nazis. With a, so with a soft Z instead you, of a hard one. Mm -hmm. It's true. That's exactly how he <laughs> yeah, said it. It's great. Nazis. <laughs> yeah. So, but you do, because you've researched it and you know this, you have and must have a degree of responsibility to it. You know? Well, I think we all felt the burden of responsibility. Uh, it's, it's, it's very interesting hearing Peter Morgan, the writer, talk about this. He, he, you know, he wrote The Queen. He wrote uh, The Audience, Audience, the play with Helen Mirren. I'm surprised Dame Helen didn't just come and slap somebody around and say, <laughs> I need to come back. Well, no, well wait for a few seasons. <laughs> we will, all the roles Maybe will change. Happens, yeah. But uh, the, we, we wanted to, it to be a very dignified series. You know, it, it is so, it's sort of the, the, the default response to the royals, particularly in England, is satire. Mm -hmm. You know, because there's something secret about them. They withhold. The only people that they really let down their hair with is each other. They really, England adores the royals, but they don't really know them. Mm -hmm. So if you presume to tell their personal stories, you have to do it with tremendous respect and delicacy. You don't want to whitewash anything, but you don't want to satirize anything. Mm -hmm. Those are the two extremes, and we have to hit the sweet spot in the middle. I really think they've done an amazing job. Uh, I, it's not easy to speak objectively about something you're in, but I find it an incredibly gripping series. You really care about these people. And, the, and each one of these dozen major characters has, has issues in their lives with such incredibly high stakes. And you wonder, God, how can human beings how can human beings carry such a burden? You know, sitting here with you, it's always a pleasure to look at you, but you've like played everything in the, it's impossible to typecast you. Well, I'm, I, I do have a target on my back. At some point they will try. <laughs> How can they though, you know? I mean, you've done, you, you do music for children. Yeah. Then on Dexter, you're a serial killer. Trinity, yeah. I remember you just scared yeah. the ever-loving aspirations out of you know, <laughs> this person that's doing that. And then, you know, when you start in um, 
I remember seeing you on stage for the first time in Changing Room. Yeah. You win the yeah. Tony. Yeah. So what is happening to this young, new actor, John Lithgow, mm -hmm. who does this, and suddenly they're saying, you're great. Here, let us give you the Tony. How are you feeling about this profession you've chosen well, back then? That, uh, how wonderful that you saw that. That was many years ago, like 45 years ago. It was my Broadway debut. Mm -hmm. I had done this up at Long Wharf Theater, and it had gotten national press, mm -hmm. a remarkable play. It did come to Broadway. It opened on March 7th. Whoa, not to put a fine point on it. Yeah, uh, 1973, <laughs> and on March 25th, I won the Tony. Like, <laughs> two and a half weeks later, it must be a record for the quickest Tony won by an actor in a debut performance. <laughs> it has to be. And, uh, I didn't sleep for the entire month. I never even thought I would make it to Broadway. I thought I was just a rep actor for, the, for my career, which was fine with me. Was but it? Was that what you wanted to be? You just, it would have well, been Well, you know, okay. I, I grew up in that life. My father produced regional mm -hmm. repertory theater. And uh, to me, that was, you know, get into a great company and just stay there. I still, the thing I love most is to have a wonderful role in a great ensemble of actors, just like The Crown. Mm -hmm. But that was true of The Changing Room. It's, tr it's been true of most of my really wonderful theater and even film and television experiences. But people in terms of film that are looking at you, and it's, um, I remember uh, basically seeing Terms of Endearment where you have just that line. Mm -hmm. At the supermarket. Yeah. To the rude cashier. You must be from New York. You must be from New York. Yeah. And we all said, we love that guy. <laughs> you know? Yes. Then when you do The World According to Garp, you're a transvestite. You know? <laughs> this yeah. is what I'm saying. How, how does well, this happen? Well, you know, I... You had great legs then, John. <laughs> I remember that you're scene. You're not the first like, person to tell I me bet, that. I bet I bet I uh, I as I say I grew up in a theater family and my fa my father's great fort was mm -hmm. he created Shakespeare festivals and I worked with him growing up I was in 20 Shakespeare plays by the time I was 20 years old and if you think of that as the beginning of a character actor's career mm -hmm. Shakespeare wrote Hamlet but he also wrote Comedy of Errors mm -hmm. he wrote King Lear but he also wrote Merry Wives of Windsor. He wrote comical, tragical, historical, pastoral. And if you're in a repertory company that does a different Shakespeare play every night, the thrill of acting is being as different as you can possibly be night by night for the same audience. Mm -hmm. Give them that thrill and give yourself that thrill. Uh, whenever I can, I do something as different as possible from the last thing I did. Uh, you can't always uh, hue to that rule, but it's when you do, it's really thrilling. Right now, I am shooting an NBC sitcom that is the craziest thing I've done since Third Rock from the Sun. What is it? It's called Trial and Error. Mm -hmm. uh, we will have shot 13 episodes before it's even on the air. It's a mid-season replacement. Mm -hmm. It'll show up January or February. Next time I'm here, I'll be talking about that. Right. It could not possibly be more different from The Crown. And that's exactly what I like to do. I was, for a minute there, I had an image of you doing a sitcom as Churchill. 
No, no. Know, it would have it would have been an good, interesting good. thing to do. To the see, more you yeah. carry the image of Churchill, Churchill. into the say, into the performance and trial by error, the well, better I, it'll work. When I remember you on How I Met Your Mother, where you're basically Neil Patrick Harris's father, yeah. and you're a cuckoo man. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, I'm kind of a quite of a cuckoo man yeah. in this trial and error too. <laughs> You'll hear a lot about it. Okay. Well, we won't. But you brought up Third Rock from the Sun, which is still lives. In uh -huh. people's hearts. Yeah. It just does. You know, when Joseph Gordon-Levitt was here talking about Snowden, yeah. it was maybe five minutes that we started talking about Third Rock from yeah. the Sun. For all of us, it yeah. was six ecstatic years. I mm -hmm. mean, you work that hard on being funny. It just keeps you young. It was so wonderful. And it's still wonderful. The show holds up so brilliantly. But I think when you look at it again, too, now, and you see this, the fact that you're basically the father, the paternal figure, who's younger, really, than, as an alien, than your son, yeah. Joe Gordon-Levitt is playing, oh. who's mature, yeah. it's pretty amazing, you know, yeah. about everyone role-playing within a dysfunctional family. It was a brilliant series. Bonnie and Terry created this and pitched it to me, and I was never going to do a TV sitcom even episodic TV back in those days. Oh, no, you it were was doing beneath my dignity. Shakespeare, you know? you're a Harvard man. But they, they persuaded me in about three minutes. The, the, the premise of that show was so brilliant. And their idea for Dick Solomon and all of the aliens, aliens to have unlimited technical knowledge, but no knowledge at all about human behavior. It's such a wonderful idea. You know, you want another Tony uh, for musical, for mm -hmm. Sweet Smell of Success, yeah. where yeah. you're J.J. Hunks that are coming from a really, I think, wonderful movie, film yeah. noir, that's made into this musical, yeah. where you're ruthless. Yeah. I mean, just... Yeah, well... I mean, that's where the, do you find that's that? That's the real me, Peter. <laughs> I'm wondering who of all of these myriad hundreds of people that you played comes closest to this guy sitting over across You know what? Me. My sister, when she saw World According to Garb, she said, you know, that's the most like you. <laughs> it was the shorts and the wig. Right. Yeah, that was it. But in a way, there was some wisdom to that because playing Roberta Muldoon, I really did feel the best way to play that part is to play it, is to not act at all, really. Just a, a simple, lovely person, you know. Just, 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 just completely relax and do nothing. Uh, because it's, it was, back in those days in particular, it was a reflex action to a, to a man dressed as a woman, as a comic. Curiously, mm -hmm. it was the same year as Tootsie came out, mm -hmm. and Victor Victoria. There were like four people nominated for Oscars that year who were cross-dressing. Julie, Julie Andrews, Robert Preston, Dustin Hoffman, and myself. Mm -hmm. And the other three were all comic performances. Mine was just simply this very reticent, transgendered person mm -hmm. way, way before its time. Yeah. Rather like Jeffrey Tambor now in Transparent. It is, you know. It comes back and it comes back in. But you were kind of the pioneer of not making fun of this. I think it was. I mean, I got a lot of beautiful letters in those days saying exactly that mm -hmm. from transgender individuals who said, I remember one in particular writing, you have no idea what it's like to see someone in a film who's 
a, a transgender person who is not a serial killer or a psychopath or a villain. Yeah. But just an ordinary friend. means a lot. It means, but last time you were here, you were with Alfred Molina for Love is Strange, one oh, of my favorite right. movies that yeah. year. I mean, yeah. what a love story that was to doing Wonderful. it. You know? Wonderful. And that was working with a wonderful writer-director, Ira Sachs. Yes. And what I just said about not acting as mm -hmm. Roberta Muldoon, that was his most frequent direction to Fred and me. No acting. Mm -hmm. you know. And at first, Fred and I, who are famous uh, scene chewers, you know, we would say, what? Well, why, why did you hire me <laughs> if you don't want me to act? You know, but he was right. You know, we, it, it's a beautiful, simple film with two very simple performances at the center of it. And uh, Fred and I shared this feeling of discovery. You know, it was like, wow, we've, well, been, we've been relieved of the pressure of pretending. It's just genuine. You know? Well, you feel, you feel that, but you can do over the top as good as anybody well, in the world can that's do. that's what they usually hire me for. I remember <laughs> Twilight Zone. Yeah, God. right. Twenty thousand so, feet with that little monster yeah, outside on the so wing. Does, so does every uh, flight attendant I've ever. They do recall. <laughs> you know what? Last week on trial and error in Los Angeles, there was a, a a small role just for one episode, played by an act, a wonderful actor named Larry Cedar. It was the first time I'd seen him since he had played the monster on the wing of the plane. He played the monster? In Twilight Zone. <laughs> what? You know, with his mask and his... It was all in mind. What are the course. chances that happened? It was wonderful. <laughs> it was wonderful. He's had a wonderful career all these years, but I hadn't seen him since that day. I remember you sitting there with that yeah. blanket, you it's know, still one of my favorite. one of my favorite of my own movie performances. What are those? If, you, if I were asking you to just say three or four of the things that really stick with you, which doesn't have to be that it was the biggest box office success yeah. or anything like that, what are they? That's one of them. That's one of them. Mm -hmm. uh, Love is Strange mm -hmm. is one of them. One of them will, may surprise you, Buckaroo Banzai. Oh, God, yes. Where I played Lord John Warfin. I still remember that as, like, that was my sort of Halloween night performance. Well, that can be over the top in a <laughs> really wonderful way. Yes. Yeah. And I had that, you remember, I was an Italian physicist whose body had been inhabited by a vicious uh, villain alien, like, 50 years ago in Italy. Mm-hmm. That's uh, what you want if you're going to be And so I played it as an Ital a crazed Italian old man, like Benito Mussolini gone berserk. <laughs> and I, I, in my <laughs> preparing this role, I wanted to, to, to get to this Italian accent. And I had had a couple of costume fittings with an Italian tailor down there at MGM. So I looked him up. His name is Roberto Terminelli. And I had him read all of, our, all of my lines in his accent. And I recorded it and duplicated it in the performance and ended up with, laugh a while you can, a monkey boy. You know, this crazy <laughs> performance. <laughs> and I persuaded them to list him as my dialect coach <laughs> in the end credits. And over the years, I've been called like five or six times. Who, who was your dialect coach? Okay, group on side. <laughs> That's the perfect. I thing got him to do. a second career. <laughs> All right. Well, John, you know this from the last time. We always end in song here. Now, you 
are just to me the music man of music men. Oh. You just well look at Tony for Sweet Smell of Success. Got to get in the column. <laughs> yeah. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. But you write this songs for children. Yeah. Yeah. Well, songs for the bathtub. You want me to take us out with a song? I do, exactly. <laughs> well, I'll try to sing a song without forgetting the words. Um, We're good here about that. I, tell, I sing a song to kids about manatees, and I tell them I love manatees, but I also love the name so much that I've rhymed it 15 times. And I, I sing the song, and I count off all the times that it rhymes. We don't have to hear the whole song. I want to hear those 15 things. From time to time I dream that I'm a manatee Undulating underneath the sea Unshackled by the chains of idle vanity A modest manatee, that's me I look just like a chubby brown bananatee As I nose along the cozy ocean floor Immune from human folly and inanity. That's why a manatee is such a happy herbivore. I'm a manatee. I'm a manatee. I'm every bit as wrinkled as my granity. No difference between my face and vanity. A noble manatee. That's me. And of course, it goes on. It and goes on. on but I'm, now I'm imagining Churchill singing that, which is Actually, the perfect song. You know, Churchill loved to sing Gilbert and Sullivan I bet music he hall songs. I begged them to let me sing. In the and they crown. said, "No, enough of you." They allowed me to sort of grumble a song in the background <laughs> once. That was it. That was it. <laughs> well, I'm thrilled that we got this. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, great. it is always great to have you here. It's really, great, it Peter. Just, you're the best. <laughs> you're just the best. <laughs> it's so much. <laughs> okay, that wraps up another edition of the Popcorn with Peter Travers podcast. If you liked it, be sure to subscribe and rate us. You can also find Popcorn on Twitter and Facebook at Popcorn ABC News. I also want to thank the people who helped produce this podcast. Angela Williams, Brian Fudge, Josh Cohen, David Fazekas, David Miller, Michael Rothman, Alexa Valiente, and the head of ABC News Digital, Dan Silver. I'll talk to you next Friday.